and then here in Colorado, um, the we have a big water park called Waterworld. And so every summer they actually do like a pretty big production of a belly flop competition um, for like $1,000 if you win. Wow. And, you know, they bring in this um, guy called Professor Splash, and he's like a, <laughs> I think like a 20-time record holder in belly flop competitions. And so he comes and he's one of the judges. And there's actually like four or five judges. They broadcast it on the news. And, you know, you dress up in this kind of, you know, you pick a theme and you have a character. And so it's like a whole thing. So um, I did that for several years and, you know, won a couple times. So it's just been one of those, yeah, like funny things, you know, fun facts, things that I've done in my life. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter. My friends, Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie and I, we love the sport of CrossFit. We are 40 plus masters athletes who just love to watch the sport and want to let you know what's going on all the way from the open to the sanctionals to the CrossFit games. We also want to give you interviews with athletes, human interest stories, and things that will help you in your daily grind uh, as a CrossFit athlete. We also want to share our own struggles through our workouts, our nutrition plans, all the way to getting healthy and fit uh, for our family and friends. If you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and please consider giving us a five-star rating. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Hey everyone, welcome to the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. My name is Scott Schweitzer, I am your host, and with me tonight is Amy Radowski. What's going on, Amy? Hey, how are you, Scott? I am good. I'm good. Uh, good sunny weekend here in Columbus, so got to enjoy some outside activity. Uh, yeah, pretty good weekend. Yeah, I think we both did. I think we both enjoyed the weekend probably a little bit too much. Is that fair to say? Uh, I yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll say so. that. Yeah, I think I. I mean, I just want to be real that the struggle is real with the quarantine, and when it's nice outside. There might have been too many quarantinis at my house. <laughs> and by, and let me rephrase that. By quarantinis, I mean boxed wine. Yeah, I, I kind of gathered that. I mean, that is your go-to. Yeah, so, yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, what's funny for me is, um, you know, I, I stopped drinking alcohol for about five weeks. I did have a half a beer last weekend and it didn't even taste good. So I just kind of tossed the rest of it. Um, yeah. but yeah, so last night we, we jumped back into the deep end head first. Yeah. And, and I'm definitely feeling the effects today. Yeah. Yeah. A little, little sluggish. So we gotta, yeah. We got, we got, um, pull it back together. We got to get reset for this week. Yeah. So other than the weekend of inebriation, um, how has your training week been? Actually, I mean, I felt like my training week went really well. I mean, I hit, I actually, I hit Monday through Friday. Um, and actually, I would have taken Tuesday off. Here's the thing. I would have taken Tuesday off. But the kids were like, Mom, we want to work out. And I'm never going to say no to working out with my kids. So, but if I was listening to my body, I would have taken Tuesday off, but I didn't, and I'm not regretting it at all. 
but um friday i did um cindy again the um named workout and i did not pr um but i'm not disappointed at all like with my my score but you know not all of those workouts are going to be meant to pr especially when you're not doing it with the same energy from a class as normal but um that was fine and then i'm super frustrated about today because today I decided, so I took a rest day yesterday and then I used today as the first day to do the, um, workout for the support your box from CrossFit. Yep. So <laughs> here's the problem. Listen, there was a clock problem and I probably was about five rounds in when I realized that then the clock had stopped and I was got pissed but I decided that you know I was like well I'm not going to waste all these five rounds so I just forgot about the clock and then I just did two more rounds to just you know have a good workout and then say screw it I'm not going to log this on the online part but at least I'll have a good workout today Sunday and and, uh, hopefully I'll feel okay to repeat this one later on okay how about you uh so you know, I think we talked about it last week, like the, the motivation to, to work out at home is, is a, it takes a lot more. Yes, um, for sure. And so the nice weather really helped that out this weekend. Um, a lot, I'm, I'm getting a lot more like accessory stuff done just because I'm using like bands in the basement when I'm working to like, just feel better from sitting all day. Um, yeah. I'm doing some rowing here and there. And then, um, and then after a 10 hour day, cause I work 10 hour shifts, uh, I'd usually just do like a short workout in the garage because I just, I don't have it in me to do like a long chipper or something right. like that. So, um, but anyway, yesterday I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store before everybody gets there, get the stuff we need for the house. And then I'm going to do the, the workout from the support your box Yeah. and, uh, got home, got all set up. Uh, got loosened up, actually warmed up before this one. Oh, good for you. Yep. And uh, got into it and felt really good. I actually don't have any dumbbells, so I had to use a 53-pound kettlebell. Ooh, okay. And um, and I decided, too, that I'm going to try to do as many of these RX as I can. Okay. Uh, just to kind of push myself a little bit. Yeah. So the first round I did completely unbroken. Um, looked at the clock. Okay. It was under two minutes. I was like, Shoot, I am so flying. This is going to be yeah. awesome. I'm going to kill it. Uh, round two, uh, the left arm decided that it wasn't going to go unbroken anymore. Okay. Uh, um, so I did six, three. Okay. And then the third round, my pushups were like, you haven't done these in a long time. Uh, full blown pushups and, uh, we're done. Yeah. I will say the push-ups today were harder after doing um, Cindy on Friday. Yeah, so that um, so that so I, I died pretty hard um, in that workout, but um, but it was good. It felt good to. I haven't done kettlebell snatches in a long time, probably a couple yeah. of years, and yeah. they're one of my favorite things in the world to do because when you when you get that punch at the top and that kettlebell flips just right where it doesn't fracture your wrist. Uh, it's just an awesome feeling. 
Well, the positive I will say about doing this workout is um, I did it with my daughter who's 14 and um, I gave her a kettlebell. So she had an 18 pound kettlebell and she, um, she crushed me in that workout. And uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to get upset when you see your kids, your kids excelling, even if I'm a competitor, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. So are you um, going to do any of the United in movement uh, workouts? That started this weekend. Um, they launched that Friday night. Um, yeah, so I have not signed up for the workouts, but I think I will definitely um, do some form of donation. And I mean, let's, okay, I'll probably do it, but I will just say I'm technically not signed up. Yeah, I signed up for it and then saw that the first workout was seven minutes of burpees. <laughs> <clears throat> so that motivation thing is not working real hard today after what we did to ourselves last night. Um, yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll try to get seven minutes of burpees in sometime very soon to get that in. And nice. I, my, my intention is to do all seven of the workouts this week. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. Awesome. So I'm just going to add this because our listeners might be curious about where Charlie is. And I'm going to tell you the truth about, about what I know about what's happening over at Charlie's house. So he has a real, I mean, when you say the the poop hits the fan that is literally <laughs> happening over at his house i'm not even kidding that um his wife sent me a text lisa and she said just when you think it can't get any worse i actually have poop on my ceiling and so that is actually happening i've seen the evidence but uh, i'm pretty sure that one of their kids took their uh, diaper off and <laughs> flung it up in the air and the ceiling fan caught it and then left. <laughs> so when he sent us that message, I said, it's a, it's a poop storm over here. He was not lying. He did put literally in front of it. Yes. And it, it, it literally is. It, yep, it is. So I just wanted our listeners to know why he couldn't join us today, but he's, he's uh, scraping poop off the ceiling. So the, I, I am glad I am not him. He's for real. Well, well, with that, let's, let's talk about our, the interview we did this week. Okay. Um, you, you and I uh, interviewed Kelly stone and I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite interviews that we've done so far. I agree. I mean, talk about an impressive resume. I mean, she is, I mean, literally the, the total package. She is. I mean, for, yeah. And, um, and like an achiever to the nth degree. <laughs> I mean, talk about mindset. Like if you set your mind to something, she's like, yep, I'm going to just, I'm going to do that. And she does. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoy this. It was an amazing interview. She's an amazing woman. Uh, and I am sure we're going to see her on a leaderboard soon um, with the mindset sure. she has. Yep. And with that, we'll go to that interview. Hey, Kelly, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? We're great. Yeah, glad to glad to be talking with you today. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's, it's a little therapy in this quarantine time to be able to uh, talk to other people and, and learn about them and, and do a little podcast, so we're excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. Got to get as much uh, personal interaction as you can these days, right? Right. Sure. And so for our listeners, uh, we are on the phone with Kelly Stone. Uh, she is a doctor of physical therapy um, and a 
two-time CrossFit Games athlete. So um, tell us a little bit about um, how, what got you into physical therapy. Yeah, so um, I actually grew up always thinking that I was going to go to medical school. That was kind of always my plan. So while I was in um, completing my undergraduate degree in biology at the University of San Diego, I was spending time shadowing physicians and surgeons and kind of trying to figure out what I thought my niche might be. And I kind of just had this realization my junior year of college where I was I was so put off, honestly, by how detached a lot of physicians are. And that's nothing, you know, negative about their profession. But I just felt like they didn't get to spend a lot of time with their patients. And there wasn't a lot of kind of really, you know, good patient-doctor interactions. And so I kind of just realized that maybe that wasn't the career path um, for me. Not to mention that I don't really love hospitals. So also <laughs> was kind of a red flag. So I kind of started exploring um, different options and, you know, kind of stumbled into physical therapy. Um, I've always been an athlete my entire life and was actually very fortunate to be extremely healthy all throughout my um, years of sports. So I, um, funny enough, never had experience going to physical therapy, but it just seemed like it would be a good fit, something that would really kind of combine my interest in fitness and health. Um, recovery, you know, and moving into CrossFit as I've gotten gotten older. And so I started shadowing different physical therapists and decided that that was the career that I wanted to pursue. Yeah, it sounds like it meets a lot of those needs, you know, the, the need or not the need or the interest to have connections and relationship building where you would miss out on that opportunity more so if you were as you were mentioning, you know, being, being at the hospital or being a doctor, but this way you get to use that knowledge of, of helping people and with fitness and, and health and also be relationship building at the same time. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's something, um, you know, I'm a people person and I really like to, you know, whatever I'm doing, spend time being able to engage with people and really make a positive impact in their lives. And I think, you know, one thing I've learned in my four years now as a physical therapist is that, you know, your bond with somebody, regardless of their age, makes a really big difference in, you know, their buy-in, you know, how much they follow through with what you're telling them, and ultimately their results. Like, I've seen it firsthand numerous times. And, you know, what's been really interesting for me is, um, and you may not know, but my actual um, main full-time job currently is actually in pediatrics. And that wasn't necessarily, you know, the realm that I thought I was going to go into originally. But when I got out of school, I kind of got this um, good opportunity to join um, the largest home health pediatrics agency in Colorado. And I kind of jumped on it because I always thought, you know, maybe at some point I'd want to do pediatric sports. And that's kind of a very small niche of PT. So I kind of thought if I could tackle pediatrics and I could tackle getting some orthopedics experience that some point down the line, I would be able to merge those two. So I've spent, you know, much of the last four years working with families and kids in their homes to work on kind of functional goals, things that are very different than you would typically think of as physical therapy. And then I also spent um, most of last year working at an orthopedic practice and just recently, a couple months ago, started my own small business doing more traditional orthopedic sports therapy out of my CrossFit gym. So I'm just trying to get kind of that varied experience, kind of get the opportunity to work with people of all ages, all abilities, all skill levels. 
Well, you actually uh, just hit a hit the heart of Amy. <laughs> yeah. uh, she's the director of a preschool. Um, a, oh, actually, really? really yeah. uh, like a world-renowned preschool here that focuses on children playing. Um, and so she oh. she's big into kids and movement. Yeah, so so I loved that you yeah. that you mentioned the um, it doesn't matter what age they are to build relationships with because to me that's the most important that it's about building relationships with children um, so that they know that they can trust you and I think that that's such an important piece too with with helping that buy in for for the physical stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been such a fun experience. You know, I love kids because I am traditionally a very type A organized person. You know, and you go into a pediatric setting, you know, especially in home, and you just can't have that mindset. So I feel like it's really pushed me just as a person and as a therapist, you know, to be able to say, okay, I'm going to walk in with a plan. And nine times out of 10, it's not going to go that way. You know, like, you've got to be able to adjust and be creative. And you know, you can't say I want you to lay on your back and we're going to do glute bridges today, like to a two year old, you know, like that doesn't work. So you've got to be really creative and figure out how do you accomplish the goals that you want, um, while, you know, making it fun and keeping them engaged, you know, and a lot of my job is also, you know, parent coaching and helping them help their children. So, you know, it's been a really challenging, but super rewarding, um, job for me. You know, I tell people I've had kids, um, you know, that I maybe see, you know, have seen since they were five or six weeks old and you know one particular child that I'm thinking of you know he turned three and I was you know I've been with him that entire time so it's been amazing to see you know you know some of those journeys over a long period of time and to really feel like I'm part of their family and you know just to kind of see that progress is really really awesome And, and I also in my research noticed that you work with some special needs children too um yeah so yeah, so the home health um, sector, um, it kind of falls into two buckets, I would say. So you have children that maybe are just not meeting motor milestones, so, you know, so they could be, you know, at younger ages, not sitting or crawling or walking at the time that we would expect, you know, in later years, maybe they're not able to participate in, you know, gym classes or kind of meet you know, expectations, you know, but there's nothing really significantly, you know, that we can kind of pinpoint just, you know, like, oh, they're just a little bit behind. They need a little bit of extra support. But then the other large bucket of kids that I work with um, is other children with special needs with specific diagnoses. So I do a lot of like Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, autism, you know, spina bifida, a whole, you know, slew of other diagnoses. And so that is a lot more function-based, like how can we maximize their ability to move and access their environment at home, you know, and then progress that into other, you know, kind of community aspects as well. That is, that is really cool. Uh, and you should be very proud. Uh, that That's just an <laughs> awesome you. story. And so, yeah. so let's, let's move to your background a little bit. Um, I know that you were always an athlete in my research. Um, do you want to tell our listeners what you did growing up? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I grew up as a competitive gymnast and swimmer. Um, I started gymnastics when I was four years old and, you know, by about age seven was training four to five hours a day. That was kind of my main sport growing up. Um, I also started swimming competitively when I was around six. And so those were my two primary focuses um, all the way through high school. And then I 
ended up swimming Division One for four years for the University of San Diego. Well, Scott here was also a competitive swimmer. I was. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I um, <laughs> yeah, in high school, I, I competed at a very high level and for a very short time was a Division One swimmer. Uh, but it it just wasn't doing it for me like I – so basically the story is I was a distance swimmer and an, and an IMer. And then when oh, I got man. to college, they went just distance, and I just okay. was hating it. <laughs> um, oh, I would hate it too. I never yeah. swim anything over a 200, so yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I understand. But honestly, I think what saved me the most um, as a collegiate swimmer is that I had never swam full-time. So, like, something that I kind of really pride myself on is that, you know, as a high school swimmer going into college, I had decided, you know, I was just done with gymnastics. That had been my entire, you know, childhood, you know, up through high school. I, you know, was a state champion, you know, vault and um, balance beam competitor and my high school won state twice as a team and I just felt like I had done it like I you know did what I wanted to do I was ready to move on but with swimming I had never done it full time it was kind of just the always you know most of the time I would just do it growing up in the summer and then you know did it a little bit more as I got older but I was never your you know two times a day practicer in high school or anything so (laughs) I kind of had to remember those days (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. So I just never did that, you know, and people are always like, oh, you could be really good if you, you know, actually put in more time. But I was just never willing to give up gymnastics. And I wanted to show that, hey, I can do both, um, you know, but what that ultimately meant is that going into college, I really had to, you know, market myself to coaches because I was kind of on that borderline, like, yeah, you're not really fast enough for division one. And I had honestly a lot of coaches that blew me off, you know, saying just that. But um, I was fortunate to find a coach who was like, okay, like, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, have these times considering how little you've actually trained. And I'm going to give you a shot because I think you can make a lot of progress. So when I actually, you know, went to college and just focused on swimming, like I made huge strides, you know, and continued to improve all four years. And I don't feel like I had that burnout that a lot of, you know, swimmers that had been doing it for several years had. So I think it was a blessing in disguise for me personally. And and you were a butterflyer and a sprint freestyler. Yes, that's correct. That's cool. I actually started as a butterflyer mm-hmm. when I first started swimming. Uh, it was my favorite oh, really? stroke, and then and then as I advanced, I got kept getting put into the two hundred, then the five hundred, then the sixteen fifty. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I was a backstroker for quite a while too. But we ended up having a lot of backstrokers on my college team, so I kind of got pushed more towards butterfly and freestyle, which is fine. So, so I've, I've, oh, you, you I was going to say, so yeah. So before we start talking about how you got into CrossFit, I would love to hear about the belly flopping. <laughs> the belly flopping. <laughs> um, yes. So this is a. It's just a funny thing. Um, I don't even know, honestly, the first time that it ever started, but. It just has been kind of become my thing where over the years, you know, you know, and, you know, just recreational and actually like competitive belly flop contests, like I've just been like, yeah, that's totally something I want to do. As a, you know, child growing up, we would go to Mexico most summers and the resort that we would go to would have always had these contests every day. And so there were definitely a few, you know, times where it would be like, oh, go do a belly flop and whoever wins, you know, you get like a free 
you know, slushy or something. And that was like all it took for me. Like, oh, it's a competition. Like, I'm totally doing this. You know, so I perfected some like backflip belly flops and different, you know, techniques. Um, and then here in Colorado, um, the we have a big water park called Waterworld. And so every summer they actually do like a pretty big production of a belly flop competition um, for like $1,000 if you win. Whoa. And, you know, they bring in this, um guy called professor splash and he's like a i think like a 20 time record holder in belly flop competitions and so he comes and he's one of the judges and there's actually like four or five judges they broadcast it on the news and you know you dress up in this kind of you know you pick a theme and you have a character and so it's like a whole thing so um i did that for several years and you know won a couple times so it's just been one of those yeah like funny things you know fun fact things that i've done in my life well, what's what's really funny is when I was researching you, um, your submission video for the Titan Games came up. Oh, yeah. And in that video, there is footage of your belly flopping. And it was mm -hmm. outstanding. Really? I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so fun to watch. Um, That's so funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, people think I'm crazy. Like I, I say, and they're like, "What do you mean you're like a belly swap champion?" I'm like, I, I mean, it's a thing. You know, it's not like a full blown sport, but it's definitely a thing. And there's definitely technique. So, I was actually yeah. in my basement <laughs> office, and I was like, "Oh my god, she's doing a backflip!" <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. So I, one more question about your gymnastics career. We actually had um, Carrie Pierce on two weeks ago. And she oh, talked yeah. about her gymnastics career and how at the age of eight, she had to make a decision as to whether she was going to go more hardcore, like Olympic style gymnast, or just stay kind of in the, in the vein of college gymnast. Did you ever have to make that choice? Yeah, I would say, you know, I went to a very competitive gym. Um, they put a lot of pressure on me and my family very early on to really commit to gymnastics. And, you know, I got away with swimming a little on the side, but it was definitely frowned upon. Um, we had all Russian and Romanian coaches. They were very strict. It was very structured, you know, sessions, um, you know, and there were definitely a lot of points where like you had to make sacrifices, like in middle school, for example, I participated in a program where I would go to gymnastics in the morning for about three and a half hours. Then our coaches would drive us to school we would only do the four core classes and no electives. And then we would go back to practice for three or four hours. So, you know, even just that, you know, difference, you know, I, for most of my um, schooling, I wasn't necessarily, you know, following the same school schedule that a lot of my peers were. Um, it also kind of carried into high school um, where, you know, I would say a lot of competitive gymnasts will end up homeschooling. And that was something that, you know, me and my family didn't want to do. So I did go to a normal high school, but, you know, we had an arrangement with our athletic director where like, I never took any gym classes. My electives were very limited. And so I was done by about 12 every day. And then I would go to back-to-back -back practices for gymnastics and swimming. So I, you know, it seemed normal to me, I guess at the time. And I, that's just kind of all I ever knew, but, you know, looking back, like it was, it was definitely strange and def you know, I was definitely not the kid that was, you know, playing with friends after school and kind of doing those types of things. It was like, I was committed to gymnastics and that's what I did for most of my childhood. Yeah. She talks a lot about how 
insane the coaches kind of, I mean, yeah. and I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth, but how they would yell yeah. a lot and scream. And it actually formed oh, yeah. how she became a coach because she didn't want to be that way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting. Cause you know, you think back on it and especially when all of the, you know, horrible stuff came out about, you know, USA gymnastics mm-hmm. and, you know, the scandals surrounding that, you know, I really had to like kind of think back for myself and like, you know, was there anything that I kind of went through that was, you know, parallel that and, you know, from like an, you know, a sexual abuse standpoint, absolutely not. But, you know, there were some times where I guess I didn't really know any better, but, you know, you were getting a lot of, you know, very like harsh words. Um, you know, they really made you question, you know, your body composition and, you know, it, you know, I'm at a point in my life now where I'm very comfortable in my skin. It's taken me a long time to get here, you know, but as a gymnast, I was always told you're too heavy. You need to be smaller. You're not the ideal size. And, you know, I just would kind of brush it off and keep moving. But, you know, like deep down, you know, that was there. And, yeah. Deep down. Know, those it's words, definitely... they, they hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, but I will say like, I, you know, had a lot of friends that I did gymnastics with that were, you know, smaller and maybe the more ideal frame, but those were also people who tended to get hurt more often. And I was extremely healthy growing up. So I felt like I had a good balance of strength and flexibility, you know, and was able to kind of, you know, do what I wanted to do and compete at a high level. But, um, you know, so there definitely was the, the negative side of it, but I also feel like that structure and discipline has totally shaped who I am as a person and has, you know, allowed me to accomplish so many things in my life because I was so used to just structure and getting things done. And, you know, if you're on a schedule where you get home at 7 p.m. and you've got to, you know, finish everything and go to bed so you can get up and go back to practice, like you just learn structure and discipline in all aspects of your life. So I feel like that carried over, you know, into my schooling and, you know, allowed me to pursue a doctoral degree you know, relatively easily and, you know, be a competitive, you know, division one swimmer while completing a science degree, which is not easy. So I don't look back on it as like a totally negative experience. I think there was a lot of negative as well as a lot of positive. When you were also high school class valedictorian, correct? Yes, I was. <laughs> so so I, uh, you're, you're a, you're a pretty honestly, smart if cookie. You were, if, if you were to ask me like, what is your like, motto in life or I don't know like growing up I hated the stigma that you could not be like strong and also smart you know like I didn't want to be seen as like oh you're just an athlete and you know you're just dumb as rocks like I was bound and determined to prove people wrong and that's something that I've done you know all throughout my academic career like I like I said, swam division one in college. I was also a member of our honors program. I was a top female biology student in my major, you know, went into physical therapy school. I, you know, graduated with a perfect 4.0 GPA and, you know, top of my class because it was just something, you know, that I was driven to do and was super important to me um, for whatever reason, you know, a lot of it comes from my parents, but I've just been always a naturally driven person, I guess. So I think you prove that you can both you can be both smart and and strong, that's for sure. Yeah, you can check that box. For <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> so what what drew you to San Diego? Was it academically? Was it just a place you wanted to be? So I 
um, when I was looking, you know, at schools, you know, my first priority was I really wanted to be able to swim, you know, so I started pursuing, you know, options, uh, you know, where that would be possible. But you may laugh at this, but my other driving motivation was to find a place where it was warm. So, like, I love Colorado, but I am, like, a warm weather person. So, for me, I was, like, if I'm going to be spending four or five hours in a pool every day, I want palm trees and warm weather. And so, I sought out places that had palm trees and warm weather and was fortunate enough to find a good coach and a team that would take me. Um, And, you know, I think San Diego is awesome because, um, I don't know if you know much about it, but USD, it's a small private school. It's a beautiful campus. It's very close to the water. So, you know, I just looked at it as a good opportunity to kind of get out of my comfort zone, um, go somewhere new, live somewhere else for a couple of years. And I also liked the fact that it was a relatively small division one school. So like my class sizes were still, you know, really small. I think my biggest class was maybe like 50 people. So I knew all my professors, I could go to their office hours. And that was something that I was really looking for um, just as like a student. Like I didn't want to just be a number. I wanted to be able to like engage and have professors that actually knew me as well. And then you went clear across the country to Gainesville. (laughs) Yeah, my poor parents. I have four parents like I'm nuts. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it's funny because growing up, I was very shy. Like I, I, and you know, it's kind of hard to believe, I guess at this point, but I was extremely shy and very, you know, in my bubble. And so, you know, stepping outside and like, I'm going to move to San Diego was like a huge thing for me. And so then after I, you know, was like, okay, I want to go to physical therapy school. So I essentially looked up the top 10 ranked programs for physical therapy and was and considered like where all the places I'd be willing to go. Um, so I pretty much got down to USC and LA, which would have made logistically more sense. And then the university of Florida, but I ultimately decided to go to UF because um, it was going to be about a hundred thousand dollars cheaper for me to do that. <laughs> That's pretty motivating. So that was the driving force. Yes. Yeah. And then I thought it would be awesome. You know, I, I love and appreciate sports of all levels, but to be able to go and be part of a university that is so huge in sports, especially my sports, gymnastics and swimming, you know, as well as football, it was kind of that, like that perfect um, world where I got to be in a small program of about 60 kids for PT school, but be part of a large university. It was such an amazing experience and I'm, you know, so grateful that I was able to do that. Well, I actually lived in Tallahassee for four years, so we didn't, oh, we didn't like Don't the... tell me you're seminal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chomping you through the screen. <laughs> I actually, I did not go to Florida State, and, I, and I'm not a Florida okay. State fan. But while I lived okay. there, I did go to some games and um, stuff. But, yeah. And I was definitely well aware of the rivalry. Uh, right. Yeah. And now I live yeah. in Columbus, so it's all Michigan, Ohio State here. Yeah. Okay. But, I got gotcha. you. <clears throat> yep. So, so you finished that at what point did you quit? You didn't quit. You retired from swimming. And then I, I also read somewhere where you did bodybuilding for a very short time. Yes. So, you know, like I'm sure a lot of, um, athletes do, you know, when I finished, you know, I don't think I was, I was upset when I finished gymnastics, but I knew that I was still competing, you know, in college and swimming. So, you know, I kind of avoided that, like you know, crisis mode of like, what do I do now? And so then at the end of college, I really had that like 
oh my gosh, what do I do? You know, like, yes, it was fun for a few months to not have to wake up early and, you know, be on the pool deck at 530. But um, I was definitely, you know, felt lost. Like what, you know, this has always been my identity. I've always been an athlete. What am I going to do next? And so when I went to grad school, my roommate at the time um, had competed in some figure shows, which is a category of bodybuilding. And so she's um, one of my very best friends. And so we would go to the gym every day and, you know, work out and, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, we just decided like, Hey, why don't we do a show together? And so, you know, it's something that I had always kind of thought about it, but never, you know, really taken it upon myself to do it. So we trained together, we did two shows and it was a great learning experience and something I don't regret, but it was also so eye-opening to me as far as just realizing that it was absolutely not the sport for me. Like I, you know, went through this period where I'm eating almost essentially no carbs, no, no fat, you know, you're dieting like crazy, you're working out like crazy, all to stand on a stage and have people tell you what's wrong with you. It's like, it's, you know, it, it really is crazy, you know, and I, I realize that people love it. And, you know, if they do more power to them. But for me, I just didn't get enough joy from it, because I didn't feel like I had enough control over like, like, ultimately, how hard I worked didn't really matter. Because I naturally have very big quads and legs, and it didn't matter what type of training I did, people were probably going to still tell me your legs are too big, you know, like for the ideal body shape. And so I think I just, you know, realize I'm like, okay, I need to find something else. Like this was a good try, but I want to find something where I feel like I'm going a little bit more back to my roots and where the energy I put in really will carry over into like what I get out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So did that experience sort of lead to your desire to want to then study nutrition? Um, Absolutely. So before that point, I, you know, I really knew nothing about nutrition. You know, I, you know, I I think back now and, you know, college was the smallest I ever was in my life weight wise, but I'm like, man, I probably could have made such better choices had I, you know, actually known what I should be eating. Um, But, you know, learning, you know, what can happen to your body when you totally deprive it of essentially everything, Mm -hmm. you know, but then the repercussions of that, you know, then, you know, it was, you know, it really sparked a growing interest in nutrition for me. Um, Something that I'm super thankful for, you know, I did have a transition period when I was starting CrossFit after bodybuilding, where I felt like, you know, it didn't matter what I, you know, did, like, I couldn't, I couldn't eat as much as I thought I needed to, and that people would tell me that I needed to, to be able to support the training that I was doing. But it was like, my body just didn't know what to do with all that food. Like I had spent so much time in caloric restriction, that, you know, transitioning into high intensity exercise and all of these new energy requirements, you know, my body was just like, what is going on? So, you know, I'm thankful that I was able to work with a company and continue to still have a nutrition coach who, you know, has gradually helped me you know, build up my ability to eat, you know, you know, primarily healthy foods, but eat to the point that supports the type of training and the level of competition that I want to be successful at. And so, so what flipped you to CrossFit? Where, how did that come along? So this was funny. Um, So I was doing a clinical rotation in Jacksonville, Florida, and the bodybuilding gym, this was kind of right after my show period, Um, So I was still just kind of doing traditional bodybuilding training 
and the gym that I was going to had a CrossFit gym attached to it. And so, you know, I would walk by and the CrossFit coach would, you know, periodically just be like, hey, you should come work out, you should come work out. And, you know, I think I had it in my mindset, like, you know, I'm a physical therapy student and CrossFit is dangerous, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, I, you know, I wasn't into it. But, you know, finally one day he comes over and he goes, okay, I know you're not into it, but he was like, will you just try? I'm hosting this competition on Saturday. I will teach you all the movements that you need. Come try it out. If you absolutely hate it, I'll stop bugging you. But um, I think you'd have a really good shot to win, even though you've never done it. And so I'm looking at this guy like, I think you're absolutely crazy. But okay, you know, it's a, you know, you challenge me to anything, I'll probably do it. So, you know, it's Friday night, the competition Saturday morning. He's like, here's a barbell. Here's what a clean is. Ready, go. You know, so, you know, working through that. And so we went the next day competed and I ended up winning and it was just kind of this light bulb moment of like huh maybe he was right you know like maybe all this time I've been fighting this off and this is actually where I'm supposed to be so um, very quickly after that I moved down to Fort Lauderdale for a clinical rotation and there was a great CrossFit gym that was next to the hospital that I was at so I was like, okay, I'm just going to take the next two months and go work out there and see what happens and I was just absolutely astounded by the community of people there and how much fun I had going to workouts and just the whole environment. And from that point forward, I've never looked back. (laughs) Well, I think the one thing that we've learned in the last half hour with you is that call it a competition and challenge you and you're going to, you're going to take a bite at it. And probably win. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For example, today, sorry, offshoot story. Um, our gym owner posted a challenge to see who met, how who could do a Turkish getup with the most amount of toilet paper rolls packed up. <laughs> so, of course, I spent the first half of my workout trying to figure out how many toilet paper rolls I could stack up and do a Turkish getup. So, we're at seven currently. Love so, it. I haven't, wow, we haven't decided seven? who's winning it, but seven rolls. <laughs> but, yes, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. So, so then you, you moved back to Denver. And was it for the job or did you just want to be closer to family? Um, yeah. So I, you know, when I graduated, I just decided it was, it was time to move back. Um, I have a lot of student loans from graduate school. So, you know, my thought was, (laughs) right. So still living that life, but, um, you know, move back in with your parents, not ideal, but in the long run, I just don't want to be, you know, having these loom over my head forever. So I decided I'd move back, you know, all my family's here and I just intentionally started paying attention to gyms in the Colorado area and sought out one that specifically, you know, was competing at a high level and also had good girls to train with because I'm, you know, one of those people where I don't necessarily want to be the best in the room. Like I want to train with people that are better than me because I want to get better. Yeah. That's kind of how I ended up at CrossFit Omnia in Denver. So you started CrossFit in 2015. Did you do the Open that year in 2015? Um, so I so I started at the very end of 2015. Okay. Um, so I would not have done the Open. Yeah, because that was probably I think like November maybe of 15. Um, and then I did do the Open in 2016. That was my first Open, and that was like yeah, a couple months couple months in. Um, I remember I had like wasn't couldn't do a bar muscle up and then I think they ended up in that in the open that year and I got them like two weeks before so that was super exciting but yeah and so 
so then you you did that open, and then in seventeen you actually joined. Uh, what what's your CrossFit gym again? A, a, um, CrossFit Omnia. Omnia. Okay. And so you joined them in seventeen and end up making the games. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so when I, you know, like I said, I picked Omnia because they had a great team and I had been following them. Um, and so when I moved back to Denver, so I basically did my first open in that February of 16, I graduated in April and then moved back to Denver in May after a Europe trip. So at that point, um, Omnia had qualified for their first regionals and then they qualified for the very first time to go to the games. So, you know, I kind of jumped in, you know, right in the mix of all that. I actually flew out to California to watch them compete in 2016. And I set a goal right then and there. I said, I'm going to be on that team next year. And so I just put my head down. Challenge, competition. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Put my head down and trained really hard for that entire year. And our gym, um, you know, for all three of those years, um, qualifying for the open or qualifying for the games, uh, we structured at our gym where it was based off of your performance in the open. It was just a flat out mm-hmm. top three girls, top three guys. So you know, I was you know I knew that I would have to earn my spot, but you know, challenge accepted. And um, yep, so that next year, 2017, I was our top performer at the gym, and we qualified back to regionals and then qualified for the second time, my first time to go back to the games. Well, 2017 is, is a special year for me because I actually, I work the games in Madison. Oh, you did? Yeah. I, uh, I work the outdoor venue, the North park. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I stacked those hay straw bales, whatever they were calling them. Oh my gosh. That, Oh, that workout was awful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was fun, but it was awful. We we were stacking hay from five in the morning until ten thirty at night. Oh gosh! Wow, it was, it was crazy. I believe it. Those were high. Those were high hay bales, and, and there were lots of them. Dave Castro moved the position three times during that day. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. And so then- yeah, honestly, I mean that year was so awesome. You know, I was, you know, I think we were fortunate because it was five returning members and me. Um, you know, we had a great coach who he still continues to coach me at this point, but I was a really special team for me because I, as far as I know, we had to be one of the only, if not the only teams at the games with six people that had legitimate full-time jobs, you know, and I think that is really unheard of, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not even saying like, oh, people, you know, that worked at the gym, like we had a firefighter, we had, you know, a a sales manager, I was a physical therapist, you know, like we had full-time jobs. So like realistically, we were only training together once a week, maybe, you know? So um, the fact that we were able to kind of band together and place 13th at the games that year, like that's to this day, one of like my most proud athletic moments, I will say. And so then in 2018, you had an injury, right? And you... I think I read that you yes. you said you pushed through mm-hmm. that to qualify for the games. Um, yep. So 2018 um, was a rough year. Like I said, you know, like I said, most of my life I was extremely healthy, like maybe an ankle sprain here or there, but nothing major. And um, right following the open of 2018, 
Um, you know, we had qualified back to regionals. I had actually qualified individual, but gave up my spot to want to go back on the team. Um, but right after that, I suffered a back injury. And the next like three or four months, I have honestly, I have such a renewed respect for people with, you know, any type of injuries, but especially back injuries, because it was so mentally and physically exhausting for those like four months. Like I, I just felt like completely overwhelmed by it. Like I was so stressed out because I still wanted to compete and be there for my team. I didn't really know what was wrong with me. And that was frustrating. Like as a physical therapist and healthcare provider, um, I felt like I was, you know, not listening to my PT brain that was saying you need to stop because you're in pain. But then I also had that, you know, going head to head with my athlete brain that said, no, keep going. Your team needs you. Um, so I spent a lot of that um, season leading up to regionals really not doing much of anything. Like I would do bare minimum team training, you know, really trying to avoid pain whenever possible. Um, lots of tears, lots of pain. And, you know, when it came down to regionals, you know, we had a very frank conversation the week before where, you know, it was kind of like, all right, guys, you know, we have an alternate. We can choose to put her in. And if that's your choice, I totally get it if you choose to put me in, you've got to realize that there's probably a 50, 50 chance that I won't be able to finish, you know? And like, once we sign me in, that's it. So they decided that they wanted to have me try. So, you know, we pushed through and I was able to compete and somehow miraculously, like we, we needed to beat one team in the very last event. And it came down to like, you know, the very last it was like a worm walking lunch and they were ahead of us and we made one mistake and had to drop and we just barely passed them I mean it was like you know straight out of the movie but somehow ended up being able to qualify again um but and that was super exciting but then also simultaneously my brain's going like oh my gosh now you've got to keep training you know so I think I took the next three weeks completely off was still having pain and um you know just at that point decided okay I'm committing to doing the games. If I'm still having pain after, I'm going to stop. But from now and then, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to get better. So, you know, I, I, I didn't pull from the ground. I didn't do any Olympic lifting. I was going to a physical therapist twice a week, a sports chiropractor twice a week. I was doing cryotherapy. I was doing CBDs, like anything, everything. Um, ultimately decided to get an MRI. And I think that was huge for me because, you know, it showed like, I think I had some minor bulging discs, but there was nothing that was like, you are risking permanently damaging your back. Right. And so somehow, somehow in that whole mix of things, you know, I slowly started to get better, but going into the games that year, I felt so unprepared, you know, like I was not, didn't feel like I was able to do the training that I wanted to be able to do, um, you know, but we were like, all right, we're going to do the best we can. And then the whole irony of the whole situation was I ended up being okay at the games in 18, but my teammate Sarah fell from the ropes or she dropped down onto the crash mat during oh. um, that the obstacle course event and ended up fracturing her ankle. So we had to withdraw. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. My stomach flips just thinking about that. was a whirlwind. Well, well, Scott and I both being uh, 40 over for me, 50 over for him, we both know a little something and have been there before with, with our own back injuries and same kind of thing. Like it's one of those things where like the pain is so terrible and it feels like anything that you are doing is something that's going to really harm you um, and yeah. have it be something that is 
I don't want to say minor, but something that is not, you know, life ending. Right. And, but it feels so terrible. It feels like that's what's happening. I was just gonna say the worst part for us during the quarantine are, are the guy who does the therapy on our back, uh, is not available during the quarantine. So we are, we're stuck without it. Right. You're like, Oh no. Um, but yeah, so and, it, and it's interesting because, you know, as a student in a physical therapy school, one of the things that we talked a lot about was pain science and the psychology of pain and how, you know, if you're fearful of something, you know, being a big impact, you know, on your life for a really long time, that we call it pain catastrophizing can actually factor in and upregulate your pain, like chemicals in your body and make your perception of pain worse. So, and that happens a lot in the case of low back pain, because for whatever reason, we tend to associate a lot more anxiety and long-term disability with back pain versus just saying like, oh, my elbow hurts. Like most people realize, oh, okay, like it's just going to get better. It's annoying now, but it'll get better. But for some reason, you know, spine injuries seem to hold a higher value. And looking back, I think I was totally in that. And I just couldn't pull myself out of it. Like, I just kept thinking, like, no, there has to be something seriously wrong. How could I possibly be in this much pain? You know, so who knows how much that, you know, catastrophizing I was doing, plus the stress of, you know, competing and having five people staring at me, like, why can't you train normally? You know, you know, it was just uh, that whole mix of emotions and everything. I'm sure, you know, my stress and cortisol levels were through the roof for like four months straight, which wasn't helping me recover also. So <laughs> I honestly, I don't know what ultimately helped me get better. But um, one large takeaway was that I learned with the help of my awesome coach, like how to learn how to use my core correctly in a more CrossFit specific sense. Like I was always, you know, sat on, I know how to use my core because I was a gymnast and yes, I was very good at using it in static positions and in hollowed body positions that we used, but that didn't necessarily carry over into, you know, pulling a heavy bar from the yeah, ground or doing clean, yeah. you know, that's an extension movement. That's completely different. And I learned that I, I couldn't do it at all. And that was like, you know, a, a, a tough pill to swallow. I'm like, oh, I'm a PT and I'm was a gymnast for 14 years. Like, how can I not have a strong core? You know, but it was like, all right, well, if you want to prevent this from happening again and you want to get better, like you better start addressing it. So we had to kind of start from ground zero after the games and work on building that up. And I'm, you know, I've come a long way since and I'm super thankful for that. Yeah. And we can, we can empathize with that a lot. So my question now is what, what is a hard question to ask, but because the season has been turned upside down now, but what were your goals going into the season this year? Yeah. So, um, I was, I honestly wasn't sure if I was going to do the open until about two weeks before, but once I kind of got in and committed to doing it, I decided, you know, I was hoping to be top hundred in the open, I was hoping to compete at um, at least three sanctioned events, um, at least two of those being individual, and definitely, you know, had my sights set on hopefully winning, you know, or getting a game spot, you know. I kind of realized that, you know, it might be a year or two out, but if you don't start thinking that way now, like, and you don't confidently believe that you can accomplish that, you know, I don't want to set myself up for failure having that mindset. So 
Um, I think I surprised myself placing 60th in the open, um, especially not really, you know, fully intending to do it mm-hmm. and not really, you know, preparing specifically for that. So I was proud of kind of that. But um, I was originally planning, you know, I did Waterpalooza as a team. Um, and then I had qualified to compete at the Mid-Atlantic um, CrossFit Challenge and also Asbury Park. And not really sure either of those are going to happen at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so we saw you compete at Waterpalooza on the Sugar Wad team, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you guys took seventh? Yeah. And that was, honestly, um, I was a little nervous to be on that team they had approached me um you know to kind of be on this team uh Lisa, the other female we we trained at the same gym and we competed together so that was you know fine but the two guys were new and also one of them was in texas so i honestly i think i still had my kind of back injury in the back of my head like i don't know if i want to commit to being on a team like i don't know if i want to commit to moving a worm with people that i haven't trained with before but, um, you know, we kind of talked about it. We trained together a couple times, decided to do it. And um, overall, I think we did really awesome that weekend for a team that's only trained together twice. So, um, you know, definitely we'll see what kind of happens, obviously, with this season, but could potentially look to compete with them again. Um, you know, we definitely had a few kind of major weaknesses, you know, major week events. But we also had four top four finishes and a third place finish in event one. So that was really kind of eye-opening, like, hey, we can actually hang, you know, with people. And, you know, I think we, you know, in the future could potentially buy for one of those team spots. So, so yeah, that, that third place finish is actually how I got to find you on Instagram because. Oh, you, really? Because <laughs> Sugar Water is right up there at the, at the with the big guys. And I was like, well, who are these people? So I started looking you guys right. up to see who, who the makeup of the team was. Uh, and that's when yep. I started following you on Instagram just to kind of see who this, this team was. And uh, yeah, you guys made a splash right off the get go. Right. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, so I, I've competed at a lot of flus. This is my fourth year. The last three years I've been on all um, teams of three females. And it's like every, every year I feel like, people like don't know who we are. And obviously this is a different team this year, but you know, even the last couple of years, like we would have really awesome events, you know, a couple of years, you know, we, you know, we're top, top in some events and other things. And people are always like, who is this team from Colorado? <laughs> so I keep hoping that one of these years people actually know who we are, but, um, but yeah, it was awesome to go out there and have some, you know, really awesome events you know, that one, I am not a runner. So that was a huge win for me that I was able to kind of keep up and not um, drop the ball in that first event. Also volume ring muscle ups are not my thing. So all things considered, that was a great event for us. Um, And then our other, you know, top four finishes, you know, were a lot of team-based events. So the fact that we were able to kind of naturally just, you know, come together and perform well in those was um, super awesome as well. So I kind of want to finish up with, uh, your social media presence. Uh, you mm-hmm. are very inspirational in your posts on Instagram, uh, and you Thank have you. You have quite a following. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, you actually did a post today that I thought was so perfect, uh, for what we're going through with, um, the quarantine issue across the country. Would you mind sharing that with, with the audience? Yeah. So, um, 
you know, my post today was essentially, you know, I think I said new day, new month, same goals. Um, and I kind of go on to talk about how, you know, the difference between those who succeed in reaching their goals and those that fail or how they respond when things get tough. You know, like it's, it's easy to fall through with things when everything's set up perfectly and things are going well. But ultimately, those who actually reach their goals are ones that push through when things are hard and when things aren't ideal. So, you know, obviously, like, do you miss your gym? Yeah, I, I totally miss my gym. Like, I know we're all feeling that. Like, do I love to work out, like, work hard, you know, doing my workouts at home by myself? No, I don't. You know, but I'm still doing them and I'm still setting goals and, you know, making sure that I'm following through with, you know, things and priorities that I've set for myself because, you know, I'm, you know, thinking where do I want to be when all of this is over? Like we can sit and, you know, have a pity party and say like, you know, I'm just going to eat crap and I'm not going to work out and this sucks and, you know, let's just watch Netflix all day. But, you know, in three months down the line, like, how are you going to feel? Like, are you going to look back and say, hey, I really wasted that time. I don't really feel very good. You know, what was I doing? You know, my guess is probably, yeah, that's your decision. Or the other option is to say, hey, you know, this isn't perfect. Yeah, this sucks. But I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to get my workouts in. I'm going to eat the best that I can. And I'm going to keep moving forward. And, you know, regardless of what happens with, you know, across the season, you know, the whole state of the world, you know, I can, you know, get to the end of my days and say like, hey, I feel really good about the workout that I did today. I felt really good about the, the food that I put in my body, the water that I drank, the sleep that I got. And I know I'm not going to look back and have regrets about this time. And so. I, th- I think like after the last 45 minutes we spent with you, you're the perfect person to send that message when you're faced with a challenge you take it on head on and you're going to do it the best of your ability. Um, and so I think it's great that you put that message out there and I'm so glad you shared that with our audience. Um, how can they, how can they find you on Instagram? Yeah. So I am, my, um, handle is Kelstone three, five K E L L S T O N E three, five. And you also are putting out, at home workouts. And I thought the one the other day when you showed how to do a whole workout using your stairs was really cool. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been, it's been a funny kind of um, adjustment for me because, you know, I, I really have made an effort to kind of grow my social media presence, you know, for all, you know, for not only the opportunities that it's given me for, you know, sponsorships and things like that, but also because, you know, I'm passionate about helping people from any, you know, any walks of life. Um, nutrition, something I'm really passionate about. Exercise, I'm really passionate about, you know, re- recovery, rehab, those things I'm really passionate about. So it just seems on this day and age, like it's a good platform to be able to help a lot of people. And especially in, you know, this time yeah. frame where everyone's stuck at home, I kind of looked at it as like, hey, this is another opportunity to, you know, not only do I have more time at my disposal, but there's a lot of people that are sitting around all day with nothing else to do but look at their phone. So, you know, I've tried to, you know, where as before, I would probably only just show like, here's what my workouts are. Um, I've been trying to provide some more opportunities, you know, for people to say like, hey, like, you may not be able to do or have access to the equipment to do the stuff, you know, at this level. But like, that doesn't mean that you can't take parts of it 
and still make it interesting and fun and challenging based on what you have and what your skill level is. You know, so yeah, like I made a workout that was literally just using my stairs the other day. Um, last weekend I did an extra or a whole sequence. This post probably took me like two hours, which is totally ridiculous because I'm like not a, a media person, but like it was like 34 weight or 34 exercises you can do with one kettlebell. And you can mix and match and do everything you want. But here are 34 different things. I could probably come up with 25 different workouts, you know, using that. Um, But yeah, just to try to give some people some new and creative ideas to keep it interesting, because that's ultimately how you're going to stick with it. If you're doing the same thing every day, it's going to get boring. But if you can switch it up and get new ideas, hopefully you'll be motivated to keep moving. Well, you said just a minute ago that you hope next time you're at Wadapalooza, people know who you are without having to look you up. And with your work ethic yeah. and your track record, I am sure that people are going to know who you are in the very near, near future. And we want to thank yeah. you so well, much thanks. for spending some time with us. Yeah. It was great getting to talk to yeah. you and getting to know about you and, and hearing about your, your life outside of CrossFit as well. So thanks for being on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me and letting me rant about things in my life, but um, I really appreciate it. And <laughs> I always love to connect with new people and, you know, hopefully, hopefully motivate and inspire some people to make some positive changes in their life. Well, thank you. Um, And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great. All right. So that was a really good interview with Kelly. Um, You know, we said it beforehand that it's one of my favorite interviews that we've done. She just is an amazing person with an amazing mindset. Um, And so glad that we got to have her on. Yeah, she was definitely very impressive and, and super easy to talk to. So we want to just remind everybody that there are the two um, the two charitable um, fundraisers going on this weekend and through the week. Um, the Support Your Box is actually going on for three weeks. They're releasing one weird workout a week for three weeks, treating it just kind of like the open, but it's like an at-home uh, open. And with that, it's free to enter, uh, but what you can do is you can, it gives you the opportunity to put a price in there, and then that money goes directly to your affiliate uh, that you choose, uh, which is a really cool idea. And that's run by CrossFit HQ. And Amy and I are are both signed up for that one. But no need to be checking my scores because I may not be entering one for the first one since we know what happened. Uh, we, you know that you're going to redo it and put a one in. We'll see. We will see. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the other one is United in Movement. It is the Loud and Live event. It is running through the week. It started Saturday night at 6 p.m. They announced the first workout. That was the seven minutes of burpees. And then they're releasing another movement every day at six o'clock for one week. Oh, yeah. And, Seven minutes of burpees. Uh, uh, and that's that's Matt O'Keefe's company. We had him on uh, the show a while ago. Uh, good guy. Uh, really trying hard to um, raise some money for different causes around the CrossFit uh, scene. And they're even doing auctions that are being held at WIT. Um, so if you go to online to WIT, they have signed memorabilia from Matt Fraser, Tia Toomey, Patrick Vellner. Um they have uniforms that they actually wore at the games. Um, they have name placards that they're auctioning off um, from the games, stuff like that. So 
uh, go check that out and uh, put your bid in. Yeah. And so right, with so that, best thing from I got, the internet. Yep. I got to hear. I got to hear yours first. What's the best thing you've seen? <clears throat> so the best thing I saw on the internet, I'm going to start with the worst thing I saw on the internet this week. Oh. Okay. And so I was watching the United We Move or United in Movement um, this weekend. And every on the 19 of every uh, hour, uh, they would ding a bell and a movement came up and you had to do that movement uh, for the for like a minute. OK. And so or 19 reps, something like that. And so anyway, it came up They were Rory was interviewing the Buttery Bros and the ding came up and it was the litter box. OK, so Mars and Heber jump up and they start doing the litter box and Rory jumps up and it was the most atrocious version of the litter box I've ever wow. seen. It looked like um, a Frankenstein walk. Oh, okay. He didn't bend his elbows. Um, oh, okay. It was like a straight arm kind of thing. Mm. So then the... Yeah, he... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe he's feeling stiff during this quarantine time. Yeah, maybe. And so my best thing from the internet uh, is... Again, I think two weeks ago, we talked about something Pat McAfee did. Uh, they do their office Olympics to raise money for people. And uh, this week, I don't know if you've seen it on the internet, there is a McDonald's eating challenge. Uh, no. It is um, three double quarter pounders with cheese, one regular quarter pounder with cheese, two medium fries, <gasps> and 20 chicken nuggets. And I do not support four, this. four drinks. I don't support it. And so he he tr attempted this eating challenge. And if he got it done, they were going to give away $3,500 to, okay. um, to his viewers. And, okay. And so he, let's just say he did not make it to the end. Okay, good. Uh, about an, a little over an hour in, uh, er, the eject button hit. And yep, I was gonna guess. I was gonna guess that. And his body just couldn't take rejected it. Yeah. Because yep. Oh goodness. Okay. Yeah, but it was it was funny just watching him deterior deteriorate, uh, because you know he, he finishes like the first couple really fast, and then okay. it just goes really slow, really slow, and then like almost to a snail's crawl to the eject button. Oh my goodness. Okay. But really, really fun to watch, uh, and he makes he makes fun of himself throughout the whole thing, which which makes <laughs> That's it. The so check that yeah. out. You you got something? Okay, okay. I have something good. The best thing I've seen on the internet, and then I'm going to tell you what I think is going to be the best thing that our listeners are going to see on the internet coming up. So the best thing I've seen <laughs> on the internet is. I don't know if you follow, but you need to, you guys, you need to start following Le the Leslie Jordan on Instagram. I am telling you, this is hysterical. I mean, he goes on there and he talks about, I mean, he is this, you know, late sixties, um, Southern gay comedian. And he is just talking about, you know, being in quarantine and how much, how hard it is and and he just says well today's pillow talk 
we're going to talk about how to get through the quarantine or, you know, whatever the thing is. I'm telling you, you have got to check it out. It is for sure for laughs. Well, so you made me subscribe and I, I am following him now. And, and, and are you not laughing though? Are you? Yeah, for yes. Real? Okay. Yes, he is very, very, very funny. I, I mean, he talks about his fitness regime <laughs> <laughs> that he uses his baton for. He does baton twirling for his fitness regime. I mean, this is good. This is good stuff. Um, and then what I think is going to be the talk of the internet coming up is last night there was a TikTok made. And listen, I've been loving TikTok, watching it for, I would say, a couple of months now. And everybody's been teasing me about it because I'm too old to be watching TikTok, but it cracks me up. Well, now that everybody's stuck in home, everybody's all into cracking up on TikTok. And so I convinced my husband, Scott, to make a TikTok with me. And let's just say we need to have a redo because, oh, and here he comes. Here he is. We made a TikTok. We did. We, we made a TikTok. And we're going to have to do a redo today because he was not sober. And so we're going to we're going to redo it. But I texted to you. Was it not some some gold gold Internet? It, stuff? it was it was pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, I'm going to post it on our uh, Clydesdale CrossFit and Friends website or our Facebook page. So check it out. That'll be, that'll be something for everybody to look forward to. It, it definitely will. This will make your days feel brighter. Well, and speaking of things to look forward to, um, if you guys didn't know, this is our 25th episode. It's hard, to believe, it's hard to believe we've made 25 so quickly. Yes. And as kind of um, a celebration of that anniversary, uh, we are uh, doing a, a neat little thing where one of our listeners um, we gave her full control of the podcast and she interviewed Amy and I and is looking to uh, also interview Charlie. Once he scrapes the poop <clears throat> off of the screen. Correct. Uh, and yeah. so this week, um, after this one is released, we're going to release those ones as well. Um, and so you'll get uh, basically one of the listeners, one of you guys uh, took over and, uh, and is interviewing us. Uh, to learn more about Amy and I and Charlie. Yeah. And so that should be, that should be, hopefully you guys enjoy that. Um, because we, we keep interviewing people on here, but you know, a couple listeners have written in, we want to know a little bit more about you guys. So, so that's what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and friends. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. We are available on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please, if you liked what you just heard, hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends.